into the Wizards group chat. I'm your host, Ryan Aller, alongside my man, Chase Carroll. Chase, it's been a minute since we've been on the pod. The Wizards haven't done a ton of winning, but it's at least a happy time of year. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to anybody that's listening to this podcast and Happy New Year and all that good stuff. Chase, let's start with um, with you. How was your Christmas? It was really good, man. Got to see some family. Uh, anytime I spend spend some time with my family, it's a good time. So uh, the Wizards, we don't play on Christmas anymore. I, I, I miss those days when we used to see John Wall get up and and we'd have something to play for on Christmas. Those those were the good days when he used to do 360 uh, layups around Jason Smith on Christmas. Yep. Good times, man. Uh, miss those days and hope we can get back to to being relevant enough to play on christmas again but uh great time spending time with family and definitely watched a lot of a lot of ball this week so it's it was a really good week yeah absolutely um it would definitely love this time of year it's always great to spend time with the family um but so we're recording this immediately after uh the orlando magic game the uh, wizards took a l 127-119 and what was mostly a competitive game um kind of went about how you would expect it was competitive the wizards start kind of getting blown out a little bit they made a, a, a made it interesting with a little bit of a comeback and then the magic kind of pulled away in the end um thought Tyus Jones played pretty well Jordan Poole played pretty well um but you know just not enough to get over the hump you can see the talent difference and disparity just you know the Paolo went off and had a pretty good game Franz went up had a pretty good game Anthony Anthony Black six overall pick had a career game he actually made four threes had over 20 points he looked he looked really good on both sides of the ball um but losses like this it just are just are to be expected you just see the talent disparity and i i think the wizards put up a pretty good fight not that the magic are world beaters and that they're in the wizards are incapable of beating them but i think if the magic are putting forth uh their b effort the wizards are just going to have a, a tough time beating them just because they don't have um, the talent level to match them. So that's, I feel like that's honestly what we saw. Kispert had six threes in the first half, um, went six of six of six to start um, and looked pretty good doing it. Uh, but overall, I don't have a ton of thoughts from the game other than uh, the Wizards were, they, they're competing. Uh, we were talking about this right before we hit record that pools looked a little bit better. Um, is there anything that you, that you saw from this game specifically that you feel like is worth touching on Chase? Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a couple things starting off with. I'll, I'll start off with some good things with Poole. Uh, the last couple games, actually, he's really brought back that scoring punch that I think we had expected of him early. Uh, you know, in this offseason, we were talking about <laughs> how he could potentially lead the league in scoring, and he's clearly not done that. But in the last couple games, he's actually picked it up and become the scorer that we thought he could be. We'd like to see it on a more consistent level, of course, but to see it at all is... Uh, a bonus compared to where he had been previously this season. Um, so he's starting to feel his, feel himself offensively at least a little bit. Um, we, we knew he's going to turn the ball over. We know that he's not going to play great defense most of the time. Uh, he did have three steals tonight, which was nice to see. Um, so he kind of picked it up on both ends tonight, which uh, I, I will take 100 times out of 100 if I can see Jordan Poole come out and actually play well after what we've seen early this season. So good on him. Good on Tyus, of course. He's been playing real well recently, as is Gafford. Those two veterans, I think, are playing themselves into potential uh, trade pieces here at the trade deadline. I don't think either of them make a uh, super great sense long term here. So maybe uh, they can play up their value a little bit uh, in, in these coming weeks. But uh, the one thing I was really concerned about is Bilal Koulibaly only getting, I believe, one shot attempt all game. Um, and... and 
we don't expect him to be, you know, out the gate this season, the offensive player that he had been, but uh, he's shown a lot offensively early on this season. And and for him, in my eyes, the number one guy we need to be building around for this franchise to be getting one shot attempt in a game. I think that's awful. I think, I don't know whether that's a lack of aggression on his part, whether it's a, a lack of coaching, getting him the right spots, getting him the ball and actually making sure that you're, young asset is getting the development he needs or if that's his teammates just not getting him involved the way that they need to I, it's it's probably a combination of the three but that's the one thing that I'm really concerned about seeing just one shot attempt for your franchise to me that's the franchise he needs to be the guy getting way more shot attempts if you're going to lose a game it might as well be behind Bilal Koulibaly, Denny Advia, and and Jordan Poole, who who did take most of the shots in the fourth quarter. But as far as you know, the other shot attempts go, he needs to get more than one. He, uh, as as great as Jordan Poole played, and and as many shots as he was hitting towards the end of the game, we need to find a way to get Bilal more involved. That's that's my big takeaway from the game. And I sound like a broken record talking talking about Bilal, but in my eyes, he's the future. So we need him to also do things in the present so he can be the future. So get a more, get a more shot attempts. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I mean, that's definitely a point that I wanted to make as well, that I feel like Bilal just needs to be involved more on offense. You see these flashes defensively with him where he's just, I mean, it's not necessarily flashes because it's pretty consistently good defense. So I guess I'm doing him a disservice by keep to keep saying flashes. But what I mean is just, you see these, this, this these kind of displays of athleticism where he makes a block that you don't think he's going to be able to make or gets a deflection that you'd think that most most athletes wouldn't be able to make in the NBA and things like that that are really impressive so they stand out but he's just a really sound um player especially on the defensive end and offense is obviously a work in progress on some level but to your point we're not really seeing the full extent of what he can do most of the time because he just doesn't get the ball and when he does he he's usually either giving it up pretty quickly or he's just standing in the corner so it seems just kind of by design at the moment that Kuzma and Poole and Tyus Jones are going to have the ball more. But even guys like Gallo find a way to get shots up. So, you know, you, you kind of wonder, is it a lack of aggression or if it's just he's a rookie and kind of trying to find his spots and find his way. And I kind of think it's a combination probably of coaching, him trying to find his way, aggression. I think it's probably a combination of everything, but I definitely think it's on Coach Unseld to to find a way to get him involved more on offense, because if you're going to be five and 24, uh, I think you want to be five and 24 and having Bilal work through some of the, the rough patches that he's going to have offensively. I mean, every rookie has them and he's going to be no different. So we might as well just let him have some more ball handling responsibility. I don't think he's ever going to be some phenomenal ball handler, but uh I would like to see him work on it. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't I don't know what they're kind of waiting for in that regard. But you mentioned like Tyus Jones is playing well. And I think I mentioned that as well. And he's really hit a stride over the past few games. Uh, he's the type of guy that, I mean, while he is playing really well, this is great timing for him in terms of an asset, like for the Wizards in terms of him as an asset. Because if I'm a team that needs some steadying at the point guard position, I don't know what you can't really do better probably on the trade market and, you know, in the non all-star trade market, I should say, than than Tyus Jones in terms of someone that can just come in and play 20 minutes a night and give you like really solid point guard play. So in terms of a value asset, his stock is on the rise. Um, 
I think that's great um, <laughs> as someone that's looking, you know, forward to the future. But in terms of this season, he's playing pretty well. It's not necessarily translating the wins for the Wizards, but it's nice to see um, him playing better. Like I mentioned, the team is 5-24 and 24 now, and they're third in terms of the worst teams in the NBA. So San Antonio is 4-24. and 24. I believe they're playing right now. So at the time you guys are listening to this, they may have another loss or another win. Uh, Detroit is obviously two and 28. They lost their 27th consecutive game, breaking the all time record of, of consecutive losses, which was 26. They lost to the nets tonight in a game where they played Kate Cunningham the whole second half, um, to try to get the win. He had 30, some like 38 something points or something like that in the, in the second half to try to, to try to get them a win. Um, and they still, they still lost. I wanted to to do something different here chase we thought this would be a good idea to kind of instead of doing doing the normal kind of just deep dive on what's going on with the wizards we kind of know where the, where the wizards are at but we wanted to do a, a bit of a comparison in terms of okay both these franchises are in uh dire spots in a sense in terms of they're just they haven't been good in years they're they're rebuilding they're retooling whatever you want to call it to try to be more competitive the Pistons are a little bit further along in terms of the years they've been actually trying to rebuild. They've had a bunch of high lottery picks. Some have panned out better than others. The Wizards, we know where they are. They they fired Ernie Grunfeld a few years ago, had the Tommy Shepard era, picked basically around like nine or ten for <laughs> the past four or five years. And now we're in the winger and Dawkins era in their first pick being Bilal. So we thought it would be interesting to kind of take a step back look at these two franchises and kind of determine which franchise is in the better position going forward, where, which franchise would we wrap like situation would we rather be in? Um, so let's just go ahead and jump right in chase. So the Pistons, I think it's not debatable in terms of an assets of young talent that they have the better pool of young players, but for whatever reason, that pool of players isn't translating to, victories which is kind of interesting in the sense of like not that you'd expect them to be like a playoff team but their internal goals were to make the play-in were to be competitive towards the play-in and they're obviously the worst team record-wise in the NBA so I want to ask you kind of give you the floor what do you think about where the Pistons are in comparison to the Wizards and just kind of give your overall thoughts before we kind of dive in yeah, I think there's definitely two ways to look at it. You can look at it from a player perspective, a perspective of the talent on the roster. And I think if you line it up, Pistons versus Wizards, I think it's a clear, as of today, Pistons have the better young assets. They have Cade Cunningham, who, as we saw tonight, can go off for 40 at any given time if he so chooses, if he if he has a, a high-level game. He can do that. I don't know if we have too many guys on our roster who can just any given night drop 40 uh, as, as far as young talent. And um, so, so if, if we're pointing out top end young talent, clearly Cade Cunningham, the, the former number one overall pick is probably the best on the board here. Uh, they also have a young center who's I believe 19, 20 years old and Jalen Duran, who just came back tonight. He had been on a long layoff and they clearly missed him, uh, you know, a lot. Um, but he's, he's a guy who can get you 15 boards any night like he did tonight. Um, so I think if, if you're looking at, you know, a, a young center on the roster, we don't have one, which is definitely a, a concern. Um, Gafford is not a super old man or anything, but as far as young talent, 
I wouldn't consider Gafford a, a young talent at this point. Um, I think we kind of know what he is. Jalen Duren is is ascending. Uh, they have Azur Thompson looking like one of the best young defenders in the league, as as is Bilal Koulibaly. I think those two are having somewhat comparable rookie seasons as far as expectation goes and what how they've been playing. Um, I'd, I'd say maybe Bilal has surpassed some expectations, whereas Azor is is kind of where everyone expected him to be. But as far as young talent goes, we're we're matching them up here. I'd say Detroit has the better young talent. But uh, if you look at the whole grand scheme of things, and I don't know the Pistons draft pick situation moving forward off the top of my head, definitely can look into that. But um, the Wizards have a lot of assets moving forward given this Bradley Beal Suns trade the Suns are looking really awful right now <laughs> who knows what those pick swaps could really be in a few years perhaps off the top of my, my head I'm thinking what if KD blows this entire operation up and and that that situation looks really awful in a few years all of a sudden we have a couple really awesome picks to work with and and to be honest with you I'm I really believe in Michael Winger and, and Dawkins, what those guys can do. Whereas if I'm looking at Troy Weaver, I have zero belief in what he can do over there. So if you're looking from a front office perspective, I'd say I, I have way more faith in what the Wizards can do. So so there's two ways of looking at it. Uh, if you're looking at it from a player perspective, I think definitely the Pistons outmatch the Wizards. But if you're looking at it from a total asset picture, from a uh, do I believe in, in the GM <laughs> uh, picture, I'm definitely taking Dawkins over Weaver right now. Uh, no doubt about it in my mind. And, and it's been a very small sample for the Wizards and they haven't actually had wins to to show for it. But I we've seen one first round pick now and I'd say it's a overwhelming hit from from what we've seen and they've made a, a lot of good moves in the offseason of course not translating to wins immediately and we we don't expect it to we don't want it to um but as far as as my belief in a gm i'm going wizards so to be honest with you if if you take both of those and put them together i i would say that with the the talent that the wizards do have it's 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 small but they have Bilal, they have denny they have some good young pieces i i would rather be the Wizards right now and, and that's beyond just the huge losing streak that the Pistons have right now I'd say you know just looking at the franchises the Wizards have more to look forward to in my eyes yeah I think that was a great breakdown of kind of both sides of of the perspective the the, the roster young asset perspective and the the GM front office perspective it's really interesting because I think that you could argue the Pistons have like if you're doing a, a prospect draft I think one could make an argument that you would pick four Pistons before you'd get to a Wizard. Now, I know a lot of Wizards fans might disagree. I know we all love Bilal, but let's just look at it. Kay Cunningham was the first overall pick. I think it's inarguable that he's the best prospect on the board. Now, someone might debate that, but that's my that that I think consensus would say Cade's the number one prospect on the board. Now, the second prospect I think is up for debate, but we have there's Jaden Ivey who was a top five pick. Who I didn't even mention Jaden Ivey. Yeah, yes. who who looked pretty good in his in his rookie year he's had a weird year so far this year he's been playing better lately but he was coming off the bench in favor of Killian Hayes and the, the, the Pistons have a new coach and um Monty Williams so that there's like that dynamic of like a new coach trying to do his own thing and they, there was no there's no reason that Killian Hayes should be starting in, in the NBA over Jaden Ivey really quick a quick aside I was listening to Jeff Teague's like a clip from Jeff Teague's podcast and they were talking about and this is a, this podcast is hilarious if, if you feel like it's called club 520 or something it's it's such i don't listen to the podcast regularly but the clips i see online jeff teague is hilarious so if you have time look it up 
but he's talking of they're talking about the Pistons losing streak. And just Jeff T keeps saying, like, no offense, but Killing Hayes isn't an NBA starter. And he keeps saying it over and over again. <laughs> it's like, no offense. Like, he's not an NBA starter. There's no way he should be starting over Jaden Ivey. But it's actually really hilarious. But he's right. There's no reason that Killian Hayes should be starting over, over Jaden Ivey. So I don't know what that was about. But now, lately, Jaden Ivey has been starting next to Gabe Cunningham. But one could argue, so let's keep going. You mentioned Jalen Dern. One could argue that Dern is a better prospect than Bilal he's he's played well anytime Duran's been on the court he's been impactful he's just dealt with a bunch of ankle injuries uh but he's a if he plays 30 a night he's an easy like double double guy he's a, a solid defender and he's only 20 so this guy he you know he could be a future all-star um and then Oscar Thompson I mean he was picked fifth he's picked you know in a higher spot than Bilal and Early on in the season, he was just killing it. And his minutes have kind of gone down as some of the vets have gotten healthy on the team. And I think they're trying to figure out how they can construct their team where it makes sense from a, a perspective of giving Cade enough space to operate. And that's another another whole nother tangent about why they're so bad that I guess I'll eventually get to in this kind of in this comparison that we're doing. But if you just just talking about the prospects like we're doing here. I think that one could argue that those four prospects I named Cade, Jaden Ivey, Oscar Thompson, and Jalen Duran are better like long-term prospects than Bilal. What do you think about that? Would you how would you rank those prospects? Let's say just just if you're doing a draft, who what do you think the order should be? Yeah, I don't disagree with you there as far as the the perception goes. I would say that most people would take those four over anyone that we have. Um, and, and I'm a Bilal stand, so I, I'll, I'll stand by my guy and say that I would definitely love to have him as far as, you know, a talent goes. I, I'd maybe right now after we've what we've seen of Jaden Ivey, I'd, I'd maybe put him above Jaden Ivey, and that might be crazy. Um, I just, from what I've seen of him, he's been a little underwhelming to me, and I, that that was someone I wanted to trade multiple firsts to go up and get in the right. Jaden Ivey draft. So he was a fan a, favorite in yeah, that, in that, a, in that draft class. I'm a big Jaden Ivey fan and I hope that he can become what I thought he was going to be. I was, I was all in on, on Jaden Ivey going number one overall. And I'm, that's another one of my awful draft takes. Uh, <laughs> Paulo was the correct choice and that's why I will probably never be a NBA GM, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> yeah, that I, as far as current today, who would I take? I think I might take Bilal just over Jaden Ivey, and, and that's based on uh, the total, totality of what I've seen out of Bilal. That's defense, that's offense, that's athleticism. I I just think he's going to grow into uh, a real solid NBA wing. I, I think he's going to grow bigger, stronger, taller, and just become a much better player than he already is right now. And, and I'd say he's already a really good NBA player today. Um, so as far as, as prospects goes, uh, I think uh, Azor Thompson is incredible. I would take him probably still over Bilal and I, and I love Bilal, but I think those twins are special. Um, and we're going to see that for years to come, but, um, that, that's no slight on Bilal by any means. I think, uh, those three probably go ahead of Bilal and, and I'd take him over, over Jaden Ivey. Yeah, I, I'm really conflicted on it. I think that anyone, I think Kate is the clear number one. I think anyone that would debate that is just, Bilal's never going to have that level of creation and ability to kind of be the offense, uh, in my opinion. I uh, could be wrong. Crazier things have happened. 
but I think K just has he has the highest superstar upside to me of anyone on the board, and we're already seeing it in basically his second season. I know it's technically his third, but he was out with an injury basically all of last season. So he's basically in terms of games played in his second season. Um, so, and we're seeing, I mean, it's not translating to winning, but he's, and he's not having a phenomenal season. If you look at like advanced stats and stuff, it it wouldn't tell you he's having a great season, but Cade's basically a player that he needs, he needs what Luka Doncic needs in terms of like guys that can space the floor and play defense. Like he needs that, that type of archetype and like a rim running big, like he needs, he needs that around him. And they basically have been playing him alongside two bigs with Isaiah Stewart at the four. Someone has no business playing four, and they don't guard him at the three point line. It drives me crazy when I watch the games and they have, they have Isaiah Stewart and his percentage will make you think that he's like a good, sh- you know, he shoots 37% or something. And it's like, it's so misleading because no one is guarding him. It's just like, he's gets wide open looks and He's a decent enough shooter to make a decent percentage of them, but he's getting the cleanest looks. I promise you. It's for those that have not subjected themselves to Detroit Pistons games. I have, <laughs> and they leave him wide open. Kate has no space on the floor to operate, especially before Bogdanovich got back. Bogdanovich missed a bunch of the, the most of the season so far. And they had, so they had, they would have Kate on the floor with Killian Hayes, who, who can't shoot consistently Oscar Thompson, who for everything he is good at, he is a terrible shooter. Like he cannot shoot yet. And it's it. I hope it comes along because if he shoots, he's going to be like a superstar. But he just cannot shoot the ball right now uh, for everything he's really good at. He just can't shoot. So they would have him on the Kate on the floor with Hayes, um, Thompson, Stewart and Duran. So you have him on the floor with four non shooters. And then people are like, oh, well, he's not scoring efficiently it's like yeah he, he has no space to operate he's literally playing just basketball. clogging the lane yeah yeah in in a phone booth he has no space to operate so his 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 efficiency has been has been bad his turnovers have been bad and some of that that is on him like there's things he needs to clean up i mean typically guards aren't that great the first couple of seasons especially with turnovers and like decision making and stuff so Cade's taking those lumps too i think we have to remember these are his second season of games basically that he's playing right now so he's learning through mistakes but it's amazing to me when when you watch the game as just a casual observer and you're like hey like this doesn't make that much sense that this player that would be much better if you just put some a couple shooters on the floor this is a team that has like alec burks and joe harris and some of these other guys like look these guys aren't phenomenal but they would space the floor a little bit to give him some room to operate and killian hayes isn't doing anything spectacular like it's okay for him not to play at at this point you know so with Kate, I think it's indisputable he's that he's the number one pick here. But I think after him, I think I would be willing to to hear the debate for but Bilal being the second the second best player. I think that if I had to go just purely off of like what's the absolute best version of the player, I think I would take Jaden Ivy, <laughs> but it's it's really dicey for me between him and and I think Bilal. Um I think that I could see someone looking at me and being like, how could you say that the best version of Jaden Ivey is better than the best version of a Bilal? But I think Jaden Ivey could be like a franchise, a franchise point guard, but it's just do the dots connect. And I think regardless, I think Bilal has the higher floor than Ivey. Like I think that Bilal's 
if Bilal even doesn't progress a ton more, he's going to be a solid rotation player. But I could see if Jaden Ivey doesn't progress more that he would just be a bench guard. And what he would do as a bench guard wouldn't be as valuable as what Bilal could do in terms of his defense and, and that type of thing. So I think if I was drafting, I would probably go Cade, Ivy, Bilal, Duran, Asar. I really like Duran. I think that he's what he's doing at 20 is is impressive enough to me to think like, okay, what is he going to be when he's 24, 25? Like he already has a grown man body. And if his game can keep developing, he has uh, all-star potential. And I just think Oscar Thompson's shooting really worries me. Like it's worse than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I didn't think it was going to be that great. But when I watch him shoot, I have a zero faith that it's going in. So I think where I'm at in terms of a draft is Cunningham, Ivy, Kubali, Duran, Oscar Thompson. What do you think of that? See, I, I think it's so arguable all the way around that yeah. I like I, I I can't even disagree with you. It's you know, to a you know, I can't be angry at it or anything. I think it's clear that Kate is number one and, and from there it's definitely a toss up. Yeah. yeah. I would probably you know, as of right now, if we're if we're basing it off right now. I'd say Durns too. If, if we're thinking right. potential, I'd say both Azor and Bolal have potential to be future defensive player of the year. And I, I don't think that's crazy seeing how right. amazing that they both are defensively in, in their rookie years at 19, 20 years old. This is almost unheard of coming into the league and defending it at the rate that they defend at. Um, so I, I think if you're looking at ceilings, yeah, I, I definitely think that you could place both of them pretty high in the, in this draft. Um, so now that I've just kind of been, you know, throwing it around in my head now, I, I might slide Duran down a little bit. Um, I, I definitely go Cade. Uh, two is 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 the toss up for me. I, I I think right now you have to go Azor just because of I, I really think he's going to be a future defensive player of the year. Yeah, he's um, so good think, on that man. He's so good. I, and he's such I, a good I think rebounder. Bilal, and I think Bilal is going to be right there alongside, you know, right near him his entire career defensively. I think they're both going to make all defensive teams in their career. Um, so that's why I'd probably have them two, three. Um, I'll, I'll put, uh, I'll put Azor just slightly over Bilal. Um, and then I'll, I'll put Duran and, and I hate to finish off with Ivy because I was so high on him, his, his entire pre-draft process. And, and I definitely haven't seen enough Pistons games to really, to really give a good, idea of, of what Jaden Ivey is, but um, I've, I've seen enough, I think from, from him to say that I haven't been super impressed quite yet. And, and it's, it's super early. He could do it, uh, but he's clearly not impressing his own head coach, which is a concern. Um, and, and he's not impressing people that I think it, it matters to impress right now. So um, hopefully he can, can get things right in that locker room. And, and that's definitely a Monty Williams issue, probably more so than a him issue. But um, he needs the opportunity, so hopefully he can can get that. But right now, I I put him last. Yeah, I think it's really tough. Like I I I had Ivy. I said two in the like in terms of this draft. And the more I think about it, I'm like, do you really have him over Asar and Bilal? It's just just so nip and tuck. Like you really can make the argument that that Ivy's the you know fifth on this on this list, or you can make the argument that he's two. So. 
Yeah, I mean, I have him at two, uh, but I don't feel strongly about it. Like, if someone said, hey, you're an idiot, Bilal or Asar should be two, I'd be like, yeah, maybe I am an idiot. Like, I, I really feel like it, <laughs> it's so nip and tuck that I could see the argument, um, you know, going a lot of ways. So it's interesting. But I want to jump back to the front office perspective because I really think this is where it's different. And I think there's also a couple other ways to look at it in terms of, like, you're going to have to pay some of these Detroit guys pretty soon here. Like, they're going to have to make a decision on Killian Hayes. They're going to have to – they're obviously going to – I would assume they're going to max Cade like uh, he and make him that franchise guy. And, uh, you know, whether he's deserving of that or, or not at this point, I don't know. And maybe that's debatable. I've seen a lot of people online kind of questioning whether Cade's as good as he was hyped to be and all that. And I think that people need to remember that patience with these young guards, it takes a, it takes a little bit of time. Not everyone comes into the league and is as good as like Luka Doncic is. And he's, He's been pretty good. Like he's been he's been a pretty good player. And I think people need to pump the brakes a little bit and give him some time. He hasn't been in the ideal situation with the ideal spacing. And obviously the franchise, the franchise has just been so so poorly run. I mean, if you look at it, they just haven't been good since I mean, what the Chauncey Billups Rip Hamilton days. I mean, it's been a while since the team has been good. I mean, I, I'm probably wrong about that. I mean, the last playoff team they had was one team with like Blake Griffin or something, and they were like the A seed. So the team just hasn't been good in a long time. And I don't think that you can blame some of these young guys for not performing well in the situation. But um, I think the front office just has a lot of decisions to make. And I don't know if Troy Weaver has done a good enough job where I would be uh, in support of him making the next major decisions for the franchise if I was his superior. So I know he signed an extension not too long ago, um, but I, th I feel like if I was ownership, he's the guy I would be looking at and saying, what what's going on here? Uh, we, you know, we have these financial decisions we're going to have to make in terms of extensions like do we want to keep Killian Hayes around like I mentioned do we give Cade this uh a max extension uh what what like what is Ivy long term we have him playing at the two is he a one is he a two does he fit with Cade does he not how can we get shooting around these guys that a lot of our prospects I mean they've put a lot of resources into trying to make Isaiah Stewart a thing and they have him playing the four when I think it's pretty clear his natural position is a backup five like that just seems so obvious to me like he can be in a nine-man rotation but he's the backup five it just seems obvious and if he can floor space as the backup five like awesome maybe you sprinkle a little bit of him at four in here and there but for him to be playing majority of his minutes at the four is just bewildering to me it just blows my mind that when i watch the game like they did a late game sub in today's game against the nets when they're trying to win the game late where they they took out Alec Burks, the sh a shooter, to put in an another big for the offensive possession. I was like, wait, you're putting in the another center for the offensive possession? It it's just things like that that I'm like, it this is a the coaching front office combination right now is just pretty subpar. And it's um that is where I think I would rather be the Wizards to the point you were making it's like i think the talent on the if you gave like a different organization the talent on the pistons and said okay figure out a way to make this work i would say okay i would rather be whoever has this this group of talent that's not the if it wasn't the pistons but because it's this this gm and this 
coach. I mean, not that Monty Williams is a terrible coach, but I I hate the job he's done so far this season as a person that's watched a bunch of Pistons games. I just I don't understand it. Um, but I definitely think I would look at it and and I'd rather be where the Wizards are with more of a blank canvas, even though you don't have a Cade Cunningham on the team. There's there's a lot more operating room, as you mentioned, with the future assets coming in from the Beal trade. You have a nice blue chip prospect in Bilal, and you can you kind of have a roster here with assets that are tradable and that you can kind of mold, and you're not under some restriction of, hey, we got to pay this guy coming up. We got to pay that guy coming up. They don't have any of that. So they have a much cleaner slate to work with. Yeah, I definitely agree. And we have Kuzma on a descending contract. His contract, I know we're we're not leading to wins right now, but he's having a good statistical year. He's going to be a great trade asset, especially with his contract descending. We we mentioned it in the offseason, how we thought it was a great contract, both for him playing here purposes and for uh, possibly getting off him purposes. But uh, <laughs> we saw a contract from uh, Dylan Brooks right after that almost nearly the same contract, which uh, if you're comparing their seasons right now, that's that's a, a steal of a contract. So they have Denny on a really good contract as far as, um, you know, asset-wise goes. He's, he's a real good young player, and and his contract is, is light, and he didn't have a good game tonight, and he's definitely cooled off as of late. Um, we hope he can pick it up to the point that he was playing at earlier early on in the season. Um, I think we knew that his three ball was going to fall off a little bit, but uh, he's definitely fallen, fallen back to the mean regarding his shooting. Um, But, but as far as pieces go, we have some good tradable pieces and we have some good young talent in the building uh, for low cost. You look at Gafford, his contracts relatively light um, for the player that I think he is. And, and, and Denny's contract is light. So, Uh, We have nothing but cap space moving forward, especially if they are able to get off Kuzma, uh, whose whose contract is descending and and easily movable. Um, They have an asset in Tyus Jones here that they could probably get something for at the deadline. I I would would not be surprised if they can get a a late first from a contender looking for solid point guard play, whether it be backup point guard or maybe there's a team out there that has a point guard injury that that really needs someone to fill in. I really think he'll be a, a good asset at the trade deadline. But as far as, as pieces go, as far as draft picks go, we're going to have a lot of draft picks to work with in the, in the near future. I really like where the wizards stand and, and that's, you know, we are going to have a top five pick most likely this season as are the Pistons. Um, so I, I like our chances to hit on that pick a little better than, than Weaver has shown. So if we're, if we're comparing front offices, I'm, I'm taking the wizards as of right now. It's interesting to look at kind of like individual moves and and I think it's easy to look at you know drafts years later and be like, oh man, they they could have picked this guy, but they they picked this guy instead. And you know, I think that's something that people do with that picking Killian Hayes at, at pick seven. And I was a guy I liked Killian Hayes in that draft. I thought that he was a guy what if he fell to I believe the Wizards picked nine. That was the Denny Obdia draft. So yeah, they picked nine. Uh, that I want, I wanted for the Wizards. So I think, you know, am I a hypocrite if I'm criticizing that pick now, right? But I'm also not a GM. So I wasn't, <laughs> I'm not as knowledgeable about, you know, all the ins and outs of the players. I just, from what I saw, I, you know, I thought Killian Hayes could be a productive NBA player and someone that would be worthy of a top 10 pick. But 
that obviously hasn't panned out because I think they drafted him with the hopes that he would be the lead guard for the team uh, going forward. And that was before K came, obviously, and things change in that regard. But he obviously hasn't panned out. But individually, I didn't hate that move. Uh, picking Isaiah Stewart where they did, 15. Um, I, is that the same draft that Hayes was in? I can't even remember. But I believe they picked him 15 or 16 where in the draft they, they drafted him in. He's he's a solid pick. I mean, you get a rotation player out, out of a mid, mid-teens pick. I mean... He's a solid, a solid big. A solid, they just are playing him in the wrong position by playing him at the four. Um, so individually, are those two picks bad? I mean, maybe the Hayes pick is bad, but it's defendable, right? Um, and the Isaiah Stewart pick is fine. So individually, those you, you know, those those are fine. Cade at number one. I think that people saying, oh, they should have picked Franz Wagner at one or something like that. If they had picked Franz Wagner at one, people would have torn them apart <laughs> in that in the moment so it's really easy to say that now that because Franz has been the better player thus far I guess but I don't think that Franz has the the even now has the overall upside that Cade does I think Franz is gonna he has a higher floor though to me I think that that he could fit on any team and be a productive player but I think it's just really easy uh to to say oh they should have picked Halliburton they should pick this guy they should pick that guy but uh, it's it's just I think that nobody would have taken someone other than Kate at that in if you had that that pick. So I think that's hard to argue that. And picking Jaden Ivy, I mean, it was him or who was it? Was it him or Keegan Murray were the picks at that time? Um, was because Keegan Murray went or no, the Kings took the Kings took Keegan Murray instead of Ivy. So that's what it was. So the Ivy fell to the Pistons. But I mean, that was the consensus top four was Ivy going forth uh, after the the guys in front of him. So I just look at it and I'm like, even if Ivy doesn't pan out, that was the pick. I mean, that was the pick that everybody would have made in that spot. So it's 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 just easy to kind of be critical. So in like a in the as individual moves, I don't like hate the the picks that Troy Weaver made, right? But I think that when you look at the just the general roster construction, I think that's where you're like, okay. And this is a hard part of rebuilding. And I think it's something that's interesting to like kind of keep an eye on with the Wizards is that you have all these high picks. I mean, you have four or five on the roster, but it's how do you take that next step from being, okay, we have all these young guys who are 18, 19, 20, 21 on our team. How do we take the step from having the young guys to actually being competitive? And some teams do that better than others, right? Like the Pistons haven't been able to do it, but we see the Rockets this year. They added some vets around their younger core and they're taking a step forward that we've seen OKC do it with um, Shays, you know, being a little older than the rest of the young guys, but guys, young guys on the team like Jalen Williams, obviously with Chet, Josh Giddy, they've taken a big step forward this year and they're one of the top teams in the West. And they didn't really add that many vets around the young guys. It's really lot, like the young guys are just taking steps forward. Uh, and Shea is just being, out, you know, a top five player in the league. But so it's interesting. You see these cases of rebuilds and how it, it can take years. But, you know, with the right infrastructure, the right roster construction, the team can take these steps forward when the pieces fit. But in the Pistons case, it doesn't seem like the pieces fit as well, mixed with the coaching in the front office and their rebuild basically needs another rebuild, you know? <laughs> yeah, their rebuild needs another rebuild. That's a good way <laughs> of putting it. Uh, I mean, we've kind of been in a similar situation here for a while, although I guess we wouldn't say we've been rebuilding. We've been kind of trying to 
to stay in the mid-level for quite a while. So we've, we've deferred as a franchise from that standpoint. Um, so we're, we're finally hitting the reset. We'll see how we do it. Um, it's easy to criticize the Pistons. Uh, here, here we are. We're about to hit the reset button ourselves. Are we going to be able to get out of it? Um, we sure hope so. Based on the first draft pick, I'd say we have uh, a good shot at it, but we have a long way to go ourselves. So uh, to say either of our franchises are in a great position right now would, would definitely uh, be optimistic because <laughs> uh, I, I definitely wouldn't say we're in a great position, but I do believe in the guys currently in the front office here to, to, to get it right. I do have full faith in, and it's not going to be next year and it's probably not going to be the year after that. We're going to have to have some patience, but if we can wait till year four, you're ho- hopefully year three, but I'd say probably more likely year four. Uh, I, I think that we will reap, uh, the benefits of, of our patients because I really do believe Bilal is going to be that guy. And I have full faith in, in Dawkins and, and winger to get the right kind of guys in the building where we we've heard Tommy Shepard year after year say, we need more athleticism. <laughs> we, we need this and that, and he would never get it. Um, and, and in year one, they've said we need more athleticism and they went and got more athleticism right. in the draft. Right. So I'm, I'm if if they can do what they say they will do, I have full faith in in the operation here. So, um, yeah, uh, Weaver made the moves that I think a lot of us would have made, but I guess as a GM, you need to make the moves that not everybody would make. So, uh, I, I hated that Isaiah Stewart signing. I think he's a fine player uh, in the mm-hmm. right circumstances, and, and as you mentioned, I I agree with you. I think he's more of a backup five than a starting four in this league but they've kind of paid him as a starting four which is really concerning I, I don't know how they get off that contract if if possible because that's I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head but I remember it being really big to me at the time were you 64 oof, yeah just hearing that right now <laughs> that's uh that, that was my reaction when it first dropped and that's my reaction now as as they've lost over 20 straight games um he would look so much better on a team like the celtics though if he was their backup five he would look so much better in that role playing 20 minutes a night or something like that or or, or on any team that's like semi-competitive i just feel like when you're playing a guy like him who he came in as like a bruising rebounder and now they've made him a, a floor try to make him a floor mm-hmm. spacing four it it, to me it's just like that's just that makes no sense even if he has developed a decent shot which he clearly has developed a decent shot it just doesn't make sense to try to make someone who would who specialized in rebounding to take away (laughs) like the one thing that they're really good at to make them a a four it just doesn't make sense to me kind of like what we've done in the past with drew gooden and with chris humphreys and with insert random power forward that shouldn't be (laughs) shooting here uh, um yeah that's uh they're they're taking our playbook <laughs> yeah it i i didn't mean to interject i just it's just one of those things where it's like that contract i mean it's more than i i mean definitely more than i would want to pay him for sure but i just think about it and i'm just like if he was on a different team in the right role i feel like it would be more acceptable because i think he could be in like a playoff rotation potentially but i just it's just he's in the wrong he's in the wrong role on the wrong team. And I feel like that's just like a constant theme on this podcast. Cause what I think about the wizards, like all these guys are like, you know, Kuzma's, you know, masquerading as a number one option when he's really like a three, you know, and it's just, it's hard. Um, 
You know, it's like I remember back, you know, I, I, I one of my friends, one of my good friends, but we would argue about the Wizards. And I was, you know, obviously really like a big John Wall fan. He didn't really like John Wall. And he was like, I just don't. He's not a number one guy. And I would say to him, like, well, whose fault is it that they have a roster where he has to be the number one guy? Like, is that John Wall's fault that he's not the number one guy? Because you get what I mean? Like, there's only so many number one guys in the league, right? There's there's 10 or maybe 15 of them at most. If John Wall happens to be the 16th best player in the league, right? Is that his fault that he's not a six, eight wing, you know, or something like that? Like, shouldn't the roster construction be to put people in their proper roles, right? So, and, and it's not, not, that doesn't always work out like that, but I don't feel like we can always penalize the players for like not being in the, in the ideal situation. Like, I'm not going to beat up on Kuzma for having to play a role that he's not really equipped to play. He's doing the best he can in a role that he's really not built to play. And that's okay. Like that, that happens in the NBA. It's a part of the way it goes. But I think that sometimes we have to remember that, Hey, like it's not Cade Cunningham's fault that he's playing on a team that has no spacing and no shooting. The person you should be really looking at when you critique some of the flaws with the team is Troy Weaver or maybe the owner or something like that. Now that doesn't mean you can't hey say, Hey, K could be better taking care of the ball or he can make better decisions or whatever, but there's deeper issues with the overall construction of the team that are like contributing to some of the bad, the bad things you're seeing night to night. So I think sometimes people just need to kind of take a step back and remember it from that perspective. But um, I digress. Chase, I got to get your opinion on this. We haven't touched on this um, on this podcast the Wizards moving from the district to Northern Virginia. Everyone I'm sure that would listen to a niche Wizards podcast like this would know what I'm talking about. So I'm not going to, you know, bog you guys down with the nitty gritty, but it looks like this move would happen in 2028 if it goes through. Uh, before I get, before you give your opinion, I just want to say the dots really connected for me with why Ted was willing to fire Tommy Shepard and do a, a more of a teardown style rebuild with this news coming out over the past few weeks because now it makes sense to me that if there was a time to take a step back to try to be good for the future it's right now while you're while you're going to be in this transition because when you open a new arena if you have Bilal and two other young blue chip prospects on the team to be excited about that's a good way to sell tickets. If you have like Cooper flag or something like that on the team, that's a much better product to sell to uh, like during a new arena opening type of type of ordeal than what they had been doing previously. So that dot really connected for me when, <laughs> when this news came out, but give me, I'm just open the floor. Give me your thoughts on, on the move and, and what you think about it and all that. As someone who was born in Alexandria, as someone who currently lives in Virginia Beach, so I, I live in Virginia, that's somewhat closer to me, not not a ton closer to me, but it is a little bit closer to me. I'm still really sad about this because as a Wizards fan, uh, I you know I grew up in Northern Virginia, grew up going to D.C. and going to uh, Wizards games in D.C. I, I still go to Wizards games. I travel to D.C. to go to Wizards games, and that's what I enjoy doing. I like having a reason to go to DC and, and having a reason to enjoy the culture of DC because I, I really love DC as a city and I'm, I'm really sad to hear that 
you know, with, with my favorite teams, Wizards, Capitals leaving, the the Commanders already, I'm, I'm also a Commander fan, they already don't play in D.C. I don't have a reason really to go back to D.C. And, and as someone who really enjoys the city and what it's done for me in my life, having gone countless amount of times to visit there to um, to see games, I'm, I'm really sad that I won't probably have a reason to go back, um, you know, in, in the conceivable near future. Um, obviously they're going to be there for a little while and I'll, I'll continue going as much as I can until they move. But, um, and, and I'm really sad that they're leaving DC to be honest with you. And, and it's probably going to be closer to me traffic wise. I'll probably be able to, to get to games pretty easily now, but I'm still a little sad about it. I, I think that they should play in DC. They're, they're the Washington wizards. Uh, I, I, I understand that there's probably issues, uh, being in DC crime outside the, the games and whatnot. Uh, I've yet to experience that personally, but um, I enjoyed going to DC for games. So I'm, I'm a little sad by it. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely hear that perspective. Um, I feel like I'm a bit more on the indifferent side of things. I think there is a part of me that will miss going downtown and I, I, I live in Northern Virginia. I don't live in Alexandria, but I do live in Northern Virginia. So a part of me selfishly is kind of like, oh, this is more convenient for me. But uh, I think we all, you know, we it we all would have that that convenience part part of, for us that matters. But I don't mind going to DC for the game. So it's not like a big hang up for me is going to DC. Like I actually enjoy going downtown. It's a it's something it's a way for me to see a new environment that I don't see that often, uh, especially these days. I grew up in Maryland. I used to take the the red line right downtown and and go to the games. And I still take the Metro when I go now. So I, I kind of enjoy that that way of going downtown. And I think I'll miss it. Uh, but from a standpoint of things are constantly evolving and changing, I think I'm excited for a new way to experience the Wizards. Um, there's a part of me that's hoping that there's a rebrand as well not necessarily away from being a washington something but i kind of hope that they rebrand away from the wizards and kind of start anew because I, I i i think there's just such a negative feel around the name wizards in terms of like what they've done since they've been the wizards just the players don't even seem to love that they're the wizards like i just think there could be this is a great opportunity for them to to rebrand they're in the middle of our of a rebuild where they're kind of tearing things down to the studs and starting back up. And I think this could be a, a, a cool time to start anew in a lot of different ways for the franchise. Um, I definitely understand the people who look at it from kind of like how this hurts DC businesses and how, how it hurts DC in that terms of the culture and all that, like I, that, that matters to me. And I definitely am going to miss you know them playing music out front the arena and just the the vibes of dc and it's chocolate city and and all of that like i think i will miss that but i'm i think i'm more indifferent like i think that i feel like hey like if the rendering the renders that we saw or the the pictures that we saw of what it's gonna look like is true like looks pretty nice like i think it'll be a pretty cool way to experience the wizards i think that change can be uh, scary in a sense or we can be resistant to change as humans i know i'm that way like something changes with my routine or mm -hmm. 
something like that, like it, it can be, it can be something I resist, but then it's like, Hey, you know what? That change wasn't that bad. Like I actually like, like that. It helped me see things differently or help me grow or whatever. And so not saying this is, that's going to be like, or this is going to be like those things. But I do think that it could be a cooler way to experience a team that we all love. Right. So I'm very open to it. I'll say it like that. I'm not mad about it. I'm not jumping up and down about it. I think I'm more like, huh, that, that might be cool. And um, it'll be, it'll be a new way to experience my favorite team. Yeah. I'm sure once that new stadium's up and, and we're in it, we'll forget very quickly that they're now in Alexandria and I'm sure there's going to be things to do around that stadium and, and it's going to be pretty comparable as far as, you know, fun or fun around the games. But yeah, it's just the the fact that I won't be going back to DC. I'm selfishly sad about, um, and, and even selfishly again, I'm, <laughs> it is closer for me. So I'm not super upset about it, but um, again, just, just the fact that they're leaving DC, a, a reason for me to go there seems to have evaporated and, uh, I don't know when I'll go back. So that's a that's a little sad for me. I guess I can make uh, other reasons to go, but that was always my my reason was to go to Wizards games. So uh, we'll, we'll have to find new reasons to, to go to the city, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Chase, that's all. That's all I have for you in terms of topics for us to discuss. It'll be interesting to see how to kind of where things go as we move into the new year uh, the trade deadline won't be too far off and it'll be interesting to see what the wizards do there i think we all kind of just are projecting that there's going to be moves coming and I, I know there's been some reporting that the wizards are looking to kind of take the highest bidder for some of these guys some of the vets on the team like the tyuses and uh, i believe mark stein reported that kuzma had um first round pick trade value which i'd be surprised if he didn't <laughs> i guess but mm. he reported that to be the case um it'll be interesting if they, if this is the year i think this is the biggest thing i'm keeping an eye on is is are they looking to move kuzma this year or do they view him as someone they want to hold on to for you know another another season or so and move in the off season or do they want to wait till next dead next year's deadline or is this something they're trying to cash in on now um I guess the level of offers might also determine that, right? Like if someone blows them over, I'm sure they would trade him. But there's a lot of teams out there that I think could use what Kuzma provides, um, if I'm being honest. And I think that he's not going to have this crazy asking price that some of these other stars would have where you're having to give up so many picks to get them. So I think that's what I'm really keeping my eye on is like, what type of rumors do we start to hear about Kyle Kuzma in terms of interested teams um, and like what level of assets could the Wizards realistically get? Um, so I don't even know in my head, like what my ideal Kyle Kuzma package is. I really have to kind of think about it. I think it's easy to be like, Oh, like a young player in two picks, but like, is that realistic? I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it's not, I don't know, but it's definitely worth thinking about um, going forward. Yeah. The good, the good news is they don't, have to make a decision at the deadline here if they're not getting offers that they uh that they like they they can hold them and they can absolutely revisit this in the off season and I would not be upset about that um but if if the right team comes calling I'm definitely not against trading him at the deadline now um uh, but but the great thing about his contract as it's descending we we could definitely have great value in trades uh as, as the seasons go by it doesn't have to be immediately 
uh, in the next coming weeks. But, um, you know, I guess ideally we'd get, get the package at the deadline and, and he's out the door. Unfortunately, I love what he's contributed here in Washington, but I do think he's better suited elsewhere. He, we've seen him be the third or fourth option on a championship level team. So I think uh, if the right team sees the value in him, they'll, uh, they'll pay up. I'd, I'd love to get everything we can. So uh, if that's at the deadline, then so be it. I'd, lo- I'd love for it to happen. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I really appreciate like Kuzma and I've actually enjoyed, enjoyed him this year in terms of the way he's played. I feel like he's playing about as well as Kyle Kuzma is going to play. And so I'm, Again, I'm not going to fault somebody for having to play in a role that's outside of like what their skill set, you know, would normally have them in. So I think he's um, really done a good job of embracing the the leadership role on the team and trying to bring along the young guys. And he's seems pretty content playing here, despite having been on winning teams in the past. So uh, it, it'll be interesting going forward. Um, I'm not rushing him out the door, but like you said, if the right offer comes along, I I would be happy to see the assets come in. So <laughs> listen, man, if we can find a way to get Bilal more than one shot attempt, I, I'd say that that'd be a pretty good way to to do that. Uh, get <laughs> get the 25 shots a game out the door and maybe you can find a few more for Bilal. That's a great point. And uh, I think we should leave it on that. Let's find Bilal some more more shot attempts here. That's definitely something I want to see in the second half of the season, even though we're not even done with the first half. But that is something I want to see going forward is can we get Bilal more shots? Um, but hopefully, hopefully they find a way. I don't have much faith in Coach Unsell to do that. But if Kyle Kuzma wasn't on the team, I guess that would help, right? So, um, Chase, you have anything else before we get out of here? No, man. It was great talking Wizards with you again. Uh, I can't wait till we do it again next time. I, I've enjoyed the last couple of pods. We brought something a little different. I definitely hope we can continue that, doing, doing something a little different. We compared – the Pistons Wizards today. I thought that was pretty fun. Let's uh, let's get some more topics rolling. This uh, this was a good topic when we're we're not doing too much on the court. Yeah, it's like how many times can you talk about why did they lose tonight, right? So it's, it's just kind of the same. We're watching a lot of reruns of the same the same show. So trying to mix it up a little bit. Um, please like, subscribe, all that good stuff where you can, and we'll catch you on the next one.